welcome to The Virtual Shift, a show looking at the seismic changes happening in healthcare with virtual care at the epicenter. Join me and my guests as we look at key cultural and policy shifts impacting how providers, payers, and patients connect, as well as how care is being reimagined both for today and the future. Hello, and thanks for tuning in today. I'm your host, Tom Foley. You can learn more about this show by visiting the program on healthcarenowradio.com, and be sure to follow me on LinkedIn, Twitter, at FoleyTom and the hashtag, The Virtual Shift. We have a great guest on from the law firm of Foley Laudner, Aaron Margaretti, digital health attorney. Aaron, welcome to the program. Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Aaron, your focus is in the on the security side of the equation relative to uh, healthcare, And there's been really some interesting uh, developments in how the FTC and the HHS uh, and and other government entities look at uh, what is a what is a PHI and therefore what is uh, compliant with HIPAA and what's not as we look at this market transformation. So can you tell us a little bit more about one what you do uh, and uh, two a little bit more about this uh, this new development here? Yeah, so uh, I am a healthcare lawyer by trade. I focus in privacy, security, and you know, really what is, has become healthcare advertising. Um, and I represent digital health companies, both uh, direct to consumer, uh, cash pay, also, you know, digital health companies looking to get into third-party reimbursement from health plans, Medicare, Medicaid. Um, and, you know, really my focus uh, f- over the last couple of years while I've been uh, in private practice back at Foley, has been sort of the intersection of of privacy and e-commerce, right? It's this thought that we have these great tools and some of these great companies out there that have made healthcare uh, accessible and easier to obtain, Um, but they also, you know, just because it's out there and and it's easier to obtain doesn't mean it's necessarily in, you know, in the public eye and, and, you know, one of my roles and one of my jobs is to help folks learn how they can and can't market their services to, uh, you know, prospective patients, users, folks that would really benefit from a, a virtual offering. Interesting. So, the, so tell us a little bit more about what specifically uh, this there's new bulletin about HIPAA and and the use of cookies and and things of that nature. What are what is the government now saying relative to uh, what is uh, uh, compliant relative to that? Yeah, so, you know, December 1st, 2022, OCR, uh, the Office of Civil Rights under the Department of uh, Health and Human Services, uh, published guidance related to what they call online tracking technologies. Um, you know, for, for the folks that are in the, the marketing space and, and you know, certainly in the, in the advertising space, this is typically what we consider your, your tracking cookies, your pixels, your web beacons, those types of technologies. And HHS came out and um, really drew a line in the sand and said, you know, look, this is what our position is going to be in terms of uh, the use of tracking technologies. And this is how we think it should be governed um we can get into the specifics a little bit but sort of backing up um you know maybe maybe six months to uh, a year prior to december 1st we really saw this you know sort of uptick in uh, media coverage on digital health apps 
mobile health apps and their, you know, sort of collection practices related to, uh, you know, related to their users, prospective patients, and sort of, you know, how they interact with their patients during that onboarding process of, uh, you know, hi, I'm a, I'm a website browser. Now I'm, I'm going to, you know, educate myself as to what, it, what your services is offering. So, you know, or are offering. So you could think about a, you know, maybe a mental health company that, has a, a brief quiz or questionnaire on its uh, on its website. You, you go onto the website, you work through the workflow, and and you sort of take some of that information in. You answer a couple questions. That questionnaire may provide you with some thoughts or some very general analysis. And and really, what OCR sort of fast forwarding back to December first was looking to to do is to say. We understand that you know the digital health era is upon us, and that you know these these technologies are are widely used and and sort of you know very very commonplace at the moment. We want to give you some guidance as to when and and how we think these technologies fit within HIPAA's privacy rule. And so, really, um, what the what the gist of of OCR's of the OCR's bulletin was was that. If you're a HIPAA regulated entity, and, and again, you know, for for those that have been following the privacy debate, that is a that is a limited scope of participants. Um, if you are a HIPAA regulated entity, your use of of tracking technologies that collect personally identifiable information or or protected health information under HIPAA must comply with HIPAA's privacy rule. And so, essentially. You have to take the definition of protected health information and understand that already that definition is extremely broad and captures even demographic information. So one of the questions that I get most often is, well, it's just an IP address and it's not tied to healthcare information, right? That nobody takes the IP address and says, oh, well, I know that, you know, this IP address is related to this person's health condition, but the definition of PHI is so broad that it actually does capture IP address in and of itself. And so what this bulletin is basically telling these HIPAA regulated entities is that there is, you know, once that collection of PHI occurs, once you've collected like an IP address or something else that identifies the individual, the HIPAA privacy rule applies. And, and this is what our our position is related to these tracking technologies and really it's it's very broad and and sort of goes into some buckets of categories and we can get into a little bit of some of those buckets but generally it's really three buckets that ocr uh regulates it's uh, authenticated web pages unauthenticated web pages and mobile apps interesting so let me let me uh let's pause there for a second i am a consumer i'm on a a uh, HIPAA regulated uh, website, and uh, that site uh, captures my my uh, internet address. But they don't necessarily. I didn't log in yet, right? They don't really know it's me. I'm a guest, right? So is there? How do they? There's no. There's no association with an actual person, and there's been no disclosure. Is uh, why is that still? a regulated uh, PHI information? Yeah, so it's a great question. I, I think that 
you know, the question kind of hits on some of the surprise that this bulletin caused, which was just how broadly OCR was interpreting the definition of protected health information. And so what OCR's guidance says is that, you know, there are differences uh, based on the type of website that, you know, a HIPAA regulated entity offers. And, you know, they really broke it down based on what part of the website a user is interacting with. But even more generally speaking, in the bulletin, OCR makes this comment that essentially says all such individually uh, health, individually identifiable healthcare information that's collected on a HIPAA regulated entity's website or mobile app is generally PHI, even if that individual doesn't have an existing relationship with uh, the HIPAA regulated entity that's collected that information. So, you know, to answer your question, OCR's position here is, is that generally speaking, if you're a HIPAA regulated entity and you collect information, even from somebody who has, you know, maybe mistakenly landed on your webpage, OCR's position is that could be PHI. And really the, the circumstances will dictate, you know, whether or not that is PHI. And so really there's, you know, uh, the rest of the bulletin focuses on you know how to address whether or not a, a the the data that is being collected by that website is protected health information yeah i mean that creates a whole domino effect relative to if i was the covered entity potentially or even the ba what do i do with that information and do i have the right in the context of looking into who this patient was, right? And now I have PHI information, right? It's just, it's just like an electronic a health record system, right? I'm a, I'm, an, uh, I'm a nurse on the 11th floor. There's a patient on the first floor. I have no relationship with that patient, and therefore I should, ha should not have access to that patient information, right? That's a, that's a breach in and of itself, even though you're, you're an entity or a, a member of that covered entity, right? So now I have this PHI information. I technically can't. What you're saying is I can't do anything with it because now I, I, I because if I did anything with it, it it ultimately potentially leads me to uh, to have a breach in the security of that data. Is that yeah. am I reading that correctly? No, I I think that's right. I think one of the and I you know I'm not sure this is an intended consequence, but even in that situation where maybe that general statement of all such identifiable information collected by a HIPAA regulated entity is generally PHI, you, you create sort of a large field of, of potential impacted individuals if that information is shared with a third party. Like, you know, even, even leaving aside, you know, sharing information for marketing purposes or, or you know, to to attract an uh, an individual back to your website to you know really take a second look at your services, any type of disclosure, you know, analytics or or sort of understanding how you know users are interacting with your website, now all must be done in compliance with the privacy rules. So those third party vendors should have business associate agreements in place with you know the the entity that is is HIPAA regulated and and operating the website. So give us some best practices, right? We have this new this new bulletin. It makes it creates this interpretation, so everybody's got to shift in their their headsets relative to how do they now handle this 
this data, right? So give us, uh, if you don't mind, some what what would be the like the top three recommendations that you would offer to say, hey, to keep yourself uh, out of trouble, if you will, in layman's terms. Um, what what would you recommend uh, these HIPAA regulated entities uh, do? Yeah, I, I think the first thing is to really dig deep, understand you know your workflow, um, and really that means understanding your workflow from a a holistic perspective as well as a, as a granular perspective. And when I say holistic, I mean you know what is your offering, what what digital health you know sort of what area of the industry are you are you working in? Are you a very specific? Uh, do you have a very specific specialty, i.e behavioral health, uh, substance use disorders, uh, you know, diabetes. If, if you're very condition specific, then, you know, as you will sort of understand the, uh, the guidance from OCR, that makes a difference in terms of whether or not the information that you're collecting is considered PHI. Uh, you know, conversely, if you are more of a general practice or you have multiple offerings, maybe just not a clinical service offering that's regulated under HIPAA, you may have a little bit more freedom in terms of how you collect data, how you sort of understand and, and sort of disclose that data and what how you identify and, and categorize that data. Um, from a granular perspective, you know, the you know, workflows and, and user experiences are, are extremely complicated. There's data collection that's occurring almost at every point in that, you know, in that user experience. And so really understanding what data is being collected, who it's being shared with, almost, you know, completing a data map is, is you know, table stakes at this point, because one of the questions most people are asking is, who are you sharing my data with? And you have to be able to answer that question, whether you're, you know, whether you're you're regulated under HIPAA or, or you know, the FTC's, you know, under the FTC's oversight, you have to be able to share, you know, who you've disclosed data to. And and really, in, during this exercise, that's, you know, extremely important from the perspective of user transparency, but, you know, in the HIPAA context, also from being able to comply with the privacy rule. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to it just draws down to the to the earlier question. Right. I had this data now and you used the the right phrase, uh, this data map. It sounds like I can't even construct a data map because constructing a data map would require me to go get more PHI information that I can associate with this with this patient. And because I don't have really uh, I'm the I'm the nurse on the 11th floor as I was using uh, earlier, I have no right to look at that patient's information. So what what right do I have to build that data map when I start small with a cookie and uh, and have to build it out? And I would imagine that information would have to be stored uh, in, a, in a protective uh, place, right? Uh, it has to be encrypted at rest uh, once it's c- uh, collected. Am I missing something here? No, I think that's right. Once we've you know, once it's been determined that the information being collected is protected health information, then then the other, you know, side of HIPAA applies. You must comply with the security rule. So, you know, your data should be protected in line with uh, the security rules requirements. And, um, you know, the best practices obviously will will apply, you know, encryption that, you know, at rest and transit. Um, and then as well as, um, you know, during, you know, during your uses and disclosure of disclosures of that data, you have to ensure that you're 
you know, obtaining the right either contractual arrangement through with a third party through a business associate agreement, or you have an explicit authorization from the individual in order to allow you to share that information. Um, and so really, I think that that going back to sort of, yes, what the, the big three things, the second sort of, you know, bucket of information there is, you know, what does the guidance say? How does the guidance apply, uh, apply to that data map, right? And, you know, really what OCR has said from just taking it from the website perspective is that OCR looks at web pages and, and breaks them down into two categories, unauthenticated and authenticated. And you can take that to mean, are you logged in or are you not logged in, right? right. If, you're not, if you're not logged in, OCR has provided some examples as to when the information that you collect could be considered PHI. So this goes back to sort of that first big picture, which is what's your service offering? OCR, one of the examples that OCR provides is if you have a condition-specific service offering, diabetes, pregnancy, um, you know, if, if your service offer, offering is so specific, then most of the information you're collecting is going to be considered PHI, right? Uh, that is that is OCR's position because it's basically saying, look, you've connect, you've collected an IP address, and now you are sharing this information with a third party for, let's just say, for marketing purposes. Well, you know that third party may understand that your service offering is a diabetes uh, treatment digital health, you know, clinical service offering, and uh, the IP address is now tied to your service offering. So. Ultimately, what ends up happening is that that third party now understands this IP address, which, you know, these days, most of these third party vendors can can pinpoint location and can pinpoint, you know, identification through IP address are now able to discern that this person is interested in a diabetic treatment offering. And so one of the, you know, one of the big takeaways is really, like I said, understanding how this guidance applies to you and and really are you logged in or are you not logged in? And then if you're not logged in, does one of these exceptions that HIPAA sort of laid out apply? And, and really um, what we see is that a lot of, you know, a, a lot of the digital health community has gone to very, you know, condition specific, you know, targeted offerings. And one of the uh, major drawbacks of, of that condition specific targeted offering is that it falls right in line with OCR's guidance that any information collected by that condition-specific offering is generally considered PHI. And so, again, immediately once you've collected that information, HIPAA's privacy and security rule are applicable. Wow. So I uh, I interrupted you uh, earlier. We were going through the uh, the three-point uh, recommendation, and you had finished point number one. Can you uh, continue on with points number two and three? Yeah, so number two, I, I think we, you know, sort of alluded to already, which was, you know, understand how the guidance applies to your offering, and and are you, are you operating on a authenticated web page or an unauthenticated web page? And so, you know, as we sort of said earlier, are you logged in or are you not logged in? You know, OCR's position really from from the perspective of a authenticated web page, or once the user is logged in, is that anything that's happening sort of beyond that login point, that information is, is almost certainly PHI. You, you know, you have the, you have the user's login credentials. You probably have a little bit of information about the individual. Maybe you store medical records or treatment records. 
uh, based on services that that individual has obtained. OCR's position is that is those are medical uh, those are that is protected health information at this point. And so any uses and disclosures after uh, based on any information collected after the users logged in, that must be done in compliance with the privacy rule and the security rule. So business associate agreements have to be in place or you have to have an individual's authorization um, in order to disclose that information. The sort of second big bucket that OCR created was this unauthenticated web page. But, you know, as we kind of alluded to earlier, there's some exceptions there. And, and you know, OCR says even if you're on an unauthenticated web page and the user's not logged in, if you have a condition-specific offering, and I think OCR uses the the examples of of pregnancy or miscarriage, then you know the information you are collecting could be considered PHI. The second sort of uh, you know exception to the authenticated web page uh, position is: um, are you are you offering like a calendaring function so that when the user logs in, they can tell you why you know why are you here? They can schedule uh, an appointment with a, a physician or or a clinician and give a little bit of background information. OCR says if you're using a calendaring option that gives individuals the ability to share some of the information that uh, will ultimately be used in their appointment, that that information is considered PHI as well. Well, okay, uh, some uh, very interesting uh, context to uh, to this bulletin. So if if I'm on a website and you know I'm I'm looking at providing some access to different lab tests or uh, things of that nature. Maybe it's maybe it is a pregnancy test or a woman's health uh, test or something of that nature. Uh, just the fact that they're not logged in, but they clicked on it, sounds like that's applicable to uh, now I have uh, a web address and a uh, and a cookie and a and a click on a on a ca clinical category that uh, I need to protect that information, even though they they hadn't logged in. Just trying to draw some analogies and examples relative to uh, how this uh, applies. No, I, I think that's right. You know, I think that any you know any digital health website that is, and this is you know to be clear, this is really specific to HIPAA regulated entities here. Um, you know, they have to be you know sort of mindful of the guidance and, and really, as we said when we we're pointing out what what the big topics to look out for are, really where, you know, where the guidance puts their digital health offering. And that's, it's an, you know, it's an analysis. It's case by case. You know, I wish we could draw, you know, sort of a big line in the sand and say, here's PHI, here's not, you know, here's where PHI does not exist. But what what you find if you, if you sort of work in the space is that it is extremely specific to each and every, uh, you know, telehealth company, virtual health companies, uh, user experience and workflow and, and how they, they treat the onboarding of their prospective customers. And so, yeah, your, your examples are, are everyday examples that, you know, many of our clients face and, and they've, you know, sort of been trying to understand where they land in terms of, of this guidance. And uh, it is sort of not, it's not easy to sort of discern. And, and in some cases, it's hard to sort of really discuss, right? I mean, the, the idea that someone may have mistakenly landed on a web page and now their information is PHI is is kind of mind-blowing. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. It definitely requires a uh, shift in thinking 
relative to how we handle this uh, electronic engagement uh, tool called the web uh, and or an app for that matter. Um, so uh, we have a, a couple minutes left. I think we have two minutes left. So, so tell us what what else, uh, you know, if you had a crystal ball, I mean, this is regulatory. So obviously it's something that we all have to be uh, close with. But anything else uh, on uh, Capitol Hill in the context of privacy and security we should be uh, watching for? Yeah, obviously, you know, when you think about privacy and, and sort of how, you know, the country as a whole views privacy rights, you know, we have very, you know, very different opinions. And and we also have very, you know, the understanding that once you get into the world of, of collecting healthcare information, you're not only grappling with the federal regime of, you know, HIPAA and, you know, the FTC's oversight, you're also grappling with, you know, 50 different state laws and how those state laws sort of, you know, interact with HIPAA and whether or not they create, you know, uh, rights that would extend past HIPAA and and really, you know, really make it these these laws and these these differences really make it challenging for for companies to operate, especially in a, you know, companies that are looking to operate with a 50 state footprint. And so, uh, one of the you know the things that we we sort of hear rumblings about, and and maybe more than rumblings at this point, is you know the uh, federal privacy legislation, which would you know hopefully supersede you know state laws in terms of you know how health information should be treated, how it should be handled, uh, and, and really how organizations and individuals should expect data to be managed, right? Because not only do we want to protect privacy rights and, and individual rights, we also want to educate organizations and companies out there. This is how you should interact with data. This is how you should, you know, inform your users how uh, their data will be used. You know, a, a single cohesive law that really addresses sort of both ends and both outlooks goes a long way into, you know, making this area easier to understand, easier to manage, and then ultimately easier to deploy. Interesting. So we're going to have to stop it uh, there, Aaron. Really do appreciate your uh, expert guidance folio. Uh, and I have no relation, but I have to say Foley always does it right, my, given my last name is Foley. But nonetheless, Foley Laudner, uh, you can go to Foley.com. You can also find uh, Aaron on LinkedIn. I'm going to spell your last name so they can find it. Uh, his profile is Aaron, A-A-R-O-N. His last name is spelled M-A-G-U-R-E-G-U-I. Aaron, I appreciate your uh, time and your expertise and sharing it with the audience. Hopefully, we'll have you on soon and in the future. Thanks, Tom. Really appreciate it. I want to thank the show sponsors. HP, HP Engage Long Life Cycle Products provides the stability, safety, and security you need, plus flexibility and performance designed for today and tomorrow. As well, GenieMD providing a modular, scalable, and customizable virtual care platform and clinical services to help providers extend care into the home, increasing access and quality while driving new revenue opportunities. If you missed part of today's episode, you can tune in at the same time, 11 a.m. or 7 p.m. Eastern throughout the week, and be sure to check out the program page on healthcarenowradio.com. And remember, connect or follow me on LinkedIn, Twitter, at Foley Tom, and follow the show's hashtag, The Virtual Shift. I'm Tom Foley. 
until the next show.